Welcome to Highland Football Weekly with Ian Ald. This is our first episode of our Favourite Five series, where we look back at our guests' five favourite football games. And what a first guest we have. Someone who's played over 600 matches and a 20-year career at Wick Academy and before the coronavirus struck, was named as interim manager of the club as well. Gary Manson, good to have you along with us. Gary, how are you coping during uh, coronavirus and the pandemic? Yeah, hi Ian, it's good to be here. Um, yeah, coping not too bad. Um, not too bad at all, actually. Starting to miss the football now, it's just, it's, uh, it's starting to drag on. But um, yeah, personally, I'm, I'm coping not too bad. Um, still working from home and trying to keep myself occupied so yeah not too bad no complaints here your situation's an interesting one because as I mentioned there in the introduction you recently were appointed uh, co-interim manager of, of the club um, you had one game uh, just before the the I won't mention the game because I know it's a derby um, but you had a game just before uh, everything shut down um, how are the last couple of months been for you first of all taking over uh, as interim uh, manager and, and, and how are you coping with the, the coronavirus you know are you still in touch with the players etc is there you know training schedules that you're, you're, you're speaking to the boys about um, yeah to, well, to, for the first part of your question it was all a bit of a whirlwind um, to be honest uh, didn't really see Tom leaving um, so yeah, I think he left on the Thursday night and I got approached on the the Saturday then the the weekend straight after it. So yeah, they asked me just to initially come in to the end of the season. Um, at that time, there was meant to be seven games remaining. Um, so yeah, I I didn't really have to think about it. Um, I just agreed and took my first training session then on the Tuesday night, and yeah, everything went. Well, um, training-wise, just the matches. Um, I think the first three were called off for the weather. I think I think it was three. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like you say, the the one game we did get um, was probably as tough a game as we could have asked for. So, yeah, it wasn't. It's not been a. It's not been a, an ideal start to managing real life. But um, yeah, these things are thrown at us to test us so it's recently um, like in touch with players and yeah we've had we've had um, online Pilates classes we've had online quizzes um, just bits and pieces to, to stay in touch with the guys but in terms of setting training programs and stuff I've not done that yet because I mean, my thinking is like this is their essentially it's their close season um, of course yeah yeah, so like if the, if the league played to when it was meant to finish, um, it would only have been four weeks ago. So, yeah, in terms of setting training programmes and what have you, I've just told them to keep themselves taken over. Um, I don't see the point in setting like, structured training programmes when you don't even know when we're going to be back for pre-season. So, I mean, I could be setting them a training programme and have them back in four weeks but in actual fact they might not be back to pre-season for four months we, we just don't know 
Um, so once we get, you know, once the the government advice gives us an actual date of when we can return to training in groups, um, then we'll be able to maybe set a, a training program. But yeah, not at the moment. We're just staying in touch. Um, like I say, through through online like video quizzes and what have you. So yeah, it's it's been it's been okay so far. I read an interview um, from yourself at the start of the season. I think you were going into your your twentieth year as a player. It's obviously ended with yourself as the interim manager. Is that something that you'd be, when football resumes, keen to keen to continue as manager? I know that obviously the the board will ultimately make the decision, but you'd, would you like to you know stick your hat in the ring? I've had ongoing discussions with. Um with the chairman over over this uh, lockdown period, and yeah, it will be something once once we can get back to having sort of face to face meetings and stuff. It will be something we'll discuss. Um, in terms of me being interested in, yeah, yeah, I am. It's always something that I've had in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, certainly through the the latter stages of my playing career, then it's always something I've I've kind of aspired to to do um, and yes it's come around in a sort of maybe a quicker fashion than I would have expected um, but yeah it's, it was it is something that um, does take my fancy yeah well hopefully things go your way and when um, when football resumes you're you're in the dugout in charge of Wick Academy a club that you've you've been involved with for 20 years now probably the the most difficult question for me to pose to you given the fact you've played over 600 times for the club is to pick out just five games that stand out but you've you've picked five um we're going to start with your first choice wick academy against cove rangers the 5th of august 2000 your debut yeah yeah that was my debut as um as a 16 year old um yeah in terms of the actual match, my memory is a little bit hazy because, I mean, I'm sure as every sort of young 16-year-old footballer would tell you that, you know, getting your first team debut is just a little bit of a blur. I mean, it would that would have been the first time we'd have played in front of a crowd, um, and it was a reasonably big crowd if I remember right as well. Because mm-hmm. Cove, I'm sure Cove were champions that day. Um, the season before so that was the first game of the season and they were coming up as as the champions I'm sure there was a big crowd um, and yeah me being 16 years old thrown into the sort of limelight if you like because obviously quite a close-knit community up in up in Caithness and yep. um, WIC do tend to get reasonable sized crowds for high league level so yeah as coming in as a 16 year old for your first your first match against the reigning champions at home and then to beat them 1-0 quite a, a memorable occasion as well like I say I can't quite remember the ins and outs of the match itself but um, yeah the build up to it and then the aftermath I can I can remember quite vividly yeah When were you told that you'd be playing? Were you were you to, uh, told in advance or were you you know the, the day of the game? Yeah it was just the day of the game Um and again, that again, that's something that's kind of makes it sort of stand out in my mind a bit. 
but more because um, we changed. Well, we, the manager left. Uh, Peter Budge. Um, he was the manager when the, he was the guy that asked me along to pre-season training because um, I just got. I was 16, just got released from Ross County. So I was I was at the age where you either got taken on full-time or you got let go. Mm-hmm. So that's um, just before that summer, um, I got let go as a 16-year-old and Peter Budge was straight on the phone to ask me along to pre-season. So I was delighted um, to get asked along. Went along, um, did the pre-season with Peter. Everything was... Uh, working out really well. Um, really enjoyed Peter's coaching, his training sessions. And then I, I can't really remember why, but he left then about maybe, it could only have been a week or two weeks before the first game of the season. Um, like I said, I can't quite recall what the reason was, but um, yeah, he left. And then his assistant, Ian Monroe, <clears throat> he was placed in as caretaker manager just for that one game, I think, if I remember right. And yeah, he just told me on the, as we met up, we would have met up at half past one like usual and he would have just pulled me in and told me, yeah, you're you're starting today. So yeah, bit of a baptism of fire, but um, got on with it and we ended up getting a 1-0 win. So it was a good start to my wet career. But I suppose as a, a 16-year-old, to pull you in at oh, half past one, quarter to two, whatever, you know, kind of time before kickoff, that gives you less time to be nervous. If you get told on the Wednesday, you know, you might not sleep for a few days knowing that you're going to be playing against Cove Rangers in front of a big crowd, but you got thrown in with an hour and a bit to go, so, you know, there's less time to get more nervous. Yeah, yeah, that's one way of looking at it, I suppose, yeah. Um, it was probably a case of him pulling me aside, telling me I'm starting, then starting to get changed and out for the warm-up. So like you say, you've got no real time to sit about and think about it and what have you. So, yeah, that's maybe why he did that. Um, <clears throat> I'm not quite sure, but, uh, yeah, it, like I say, it worked out well. Um, I remember, like, back in those days, 5-3-2 was kind of the sort of favoured formation, if you mm-hmm. like, for him. So we kind of followed suit that day, and, um, yeah, I got given the... The old graveyard shift of left wing back. They must have just thought, young sixteen-year-old, he can run all day. Just throw him out there and uh, let him go up and down the pitch. And like Harmsworth pitch, I'm sure as you know, it's yep. quite a big pitch and it's got a fair old slope. So uh-huh. um, yeah, left wing back, sixteen-year-old running up and down that that slope all day. It wasn't great fun, but um, yeah, it was. Uh, it was good to get the win at the end of it. So good memories. And and from there you you know, obviously have a good game. You're you're part of that season. From there, you know the only way is up. You're you're part of the the Wick side that season and for many more seasons to come. The second match you've you've chosen, you made a late change to one of your games, which I'm I'm actually quite quite happy about because you've you three of your games uh, after that as you've chosen as your five are all Scottish Cup ties. The first of which uh, is actually a defeat. Wick Academy two three Rovers. Three difficult one to say. Uh, November two thousand and one. Was that your? I mean, Wick Academy um, have over recent times had a fantastic record uh, in the Scottish Cup. 
Was that your first taste of Scottish Cup, that game against Thrive? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, that's kind of why I picked that match. I know it might seem a bit strange mm-hmm. picking a defeat as, uh, as a memorable match, but yeah, like back in those days, um, Highland League clubs had to go through what was called the Qualifying Cup. Yep. Um, so you had to you had to get to the semi-finals of the Qualifying Cup to qualify for the first round proper of the Scottish Cup um, so it was a lot more well obviously a lot more difficult to play Scottish Cup matches back then because like now obviously you get thrown straight into the first round and that's you in the Scottish Cup proper but back then you had to win two matches in the qualifying cup to get to the semi-final stage and then you you were put into the hat for the first round so um, I think if I'm right it was the first ever time Wick played in the Scottish Cup proper I think and um, yeah much the same as as I was saying about the Cove game um, with Caithness being quite a small close-knit community the place just went mental um, like you see when teams get to the Scottish Cup final um, the towns you know they the bakers are baking cakes with the club crests and stuff. Well, that was all happening in Wick, and that was only just the first round. So <laughs> um, the place was just going crazy. It was the build-up to it was for weeks, and I always remember like it was the first ever game that we had a pre-match meal at home, like for a home game. Okay. I mean, obviously, when you're travelling away, you have pre-match meals and stuff, and you're away from home. But yeah, that game we all met up. Um, just local in Wick and had our pre-match meal and we had the television on and we just happened to look up and there was Doogie Vipond interviewing our manager at the Harmsworth <laughs> it was just a bit surreal because um, obviously I don't know maybe sports scene or Scott sport whatever it was back then thought you know we've got to Wick it'll be a bit of a novelty and yeah they, they had the full camera crew up and and did all the interviews before the game and even after the game um, I remember going I live in Thurzo not Wick but went back to Thurzo and um, went to one of the local pubs here and yeah sure enough on about half past ten whenever it was Scott Sport or Sport Scene whatever it was came on and there was the highlights of our game so it was again a surreal moment just standing watching the watching the highlights of the, the Wick game in the, in the pub after the game so it was good Yes, it's funny you say that because that same year I spoke to Russell Duncan, uh, formerly of Cali Thistle, last week, and they beat Hearts three one in the in the Scottish Cup that year. And he was the same. He'd only he he'd only just joined Cali Thistle, and there they were creating a cup shock. and And he said for him it was a novelty going going back home and watching himself on sports scene. But for a club like Wick Academy, you know that that must have been just. Um, and, and and let's not forget you were only what you know seventeen. At the time as well, yeah. seventeen, eighteen. I mean that that must have been a you know a, a buzz as well. Seeing yourself on television. Yeah, and again, like back in those days, there was no there was no YouTube or anything like that. I mean, nowadays every film, every game in the Highland League gets filmed. Yep. Uh, and you can watch the highlights. Of, I think it's Monday night they come on. So you know, players nowadays can watch their goals and watch themselves on YouTube and every game but yeah back then that that never happened Titan League wasn't filmed at all back then um, 
nearly 20 years ago. So, yeah, it was a real novelty. Um, just seeing the TV cameras at the, at the ground and, <laughs> like I say, Doogie Vipond, I always remember him for some reason. I have no idea why, but I always remember him. He was he was there interviewing players and the managers, um, everybody else who was there. And then, yeah, watching it in the, in the pub after night time, then it was just... It was. It was surreal. How were the boys um, of Three Rovers? Because um, I mean, I'm, I'm from I'm from Edinburgh, so I, I get you know that people in the Central Belt don't really understand the geography of the Highlands. But I'd imagine that most of the guys that came off the bus that day, Three must have been thinking, "Where the hell are we now?" You know, having got to Inverness three hours ago and tra- well, they maybe stayed over. I'm not sure, but they must have. Knowing that they've, you know, they've been in for some journey, they must have thought they've gone to the end of the earth. I would imagine so. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've done that sort of reverse journey many times in the Scottish Cup, mm-hmm. as we'll speak about in a while. But um, yeah, it's always one when you get the, you see the Scottish Cup draw, and no doubt they would have done the same when they seen it. Not heard of the club that they're playing against, so well, maybe not back then. But nowadays, you go straight onto Google look at the team and they would have seen where Wick was and just thought oh, no that'll be a two day journey so um, yeah like I say I've been on the the sort of receiving end of those journeys as well many times and um, it's not nice the thought at the start but then I always look at it as it's kind of like the like the semi-professional the Highland League teams it's like the their sort of European campaign, if you like. So mm-hmm. that's the way I look at it. Is I like, or I, I have done, I've liked going to different places, teams you haven't played against, towns you haven't been to before. And like I say, I, I just treat it as kind of like the European campaign and just try and enjoy it rather than see it as a gruelling journey. Yeah, I think you're right. I I quite like the the early rounds of the Scottish Cup because it throws up ties that you wouldn't get, and I think that's the thing in Scottish football. Whatever league you 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 know you're involved in, you you kind of get bored of the same the same faces, the same grounds. It's good it's good to experience something new, and I think the Scottish Cup brings up you know some ties that you, you, you maybe not have heard of before, and and there's certainly one I don't think many. I don't think there's many St Cuthbert Wanderers against Wick Academy games throughout the years but there one uh, there was one back in 2008 you kind of touched on it there epic journeys Wick Academy away to St Cuthbert that is uh, that is that's a monster of a journey please tell me you didn't go down in one night in uh, one day no no that, that was a that was a Friday night or a Friday afternoon job down to I think it was Perth maybe Edinburgh I can't remember exactly where we stayed but um yeah, all our all our Scottish Cup ties that we that are down in the Central Belt, we always go down on the Friday afternoon and mm-hmm. stop over Friday night, and then do the rest of the journey then on the Saturday morning. But yeah, that one that was that was ridiculous. That <laughs> we could have been in Wales for all I knew, but it just seemed the journey seemed to go on forever and ever. That was the first ever Scottish Cup away tie, I think, that we that we played. Okay. Memory serves me, and. Yeah, that was in, that was a fair introduction to away ties in Scottish Cup. But there, there, there was massive press coverage for that one. We had we had a Sun reporter. I think it was a Sun. Might have been Daily Record. I can't remember. But yeah, he was on board, so he came up to Wick on the Friday morning, jumped on board our bus, and 
he was with us all the way from Wick on the Friday and then came back up to Wick with us on the, the Saturday night and yeah, he got an eye opener on the Saturday night, I think, when he, he came back up on the bus. I was gonna say those journeys are tough pre match, but if you win the game, those journeys will be epic. They'll be remembered for, for many a time and I'm sure that was the case after you beat them three 0 Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean yeah, on the way down we stop over on the Friday night, so it's kind of it is broken up. Um but on the Saturday it's just straight back up the road. So I I can't remember but I would imagine that journey must have taken about six and a half, seven hours I would have thought. Mm-hmm. Um maybe a couple of stops, you know, here and there for something to eat and pick up some more drink or something like that. But um <laughs> You win the game 3-0, Gary Weir scores a hat-trick. Um, it's funny because that was the, the late addition. You you text me just before we, we did this to make a change and you actually took out a game that you scored a hat-trick in uh, in place of Gary Weir's hat-trick. But, but talk to us about your memories of, of that game in particular. I mean, it's always difficult, I'd imagine, as a, as a manager and, and a player as well, a side that you, um, you don't really know. I suppose you mentioned the European. It's quite a good analogy because you... You need to rely on your your maybe your network um, to to scout properly. I remember years ago, I had a I had a a guy that I used to be um, used to work with many many years ago, and he he was involved with Edinburgh City for a while. But when they were in the uh, the East of Scotland League, and they got drawn against the Highland League side, and he asked me to go along and and watch them. I obviously, didn't help him because they lost the game. But I'd imagine as a as a manager and a player, it's it's difficult to you know what's against. It's almost like they going into the unknown, and I'm sure that would have been the case against uh, St Cuthbert Wanderers. And again, it's it's probably a lot easier now for for managers and players to get sort of information on the on the teams that they're coming up against because every team's got a Twitter page, every team's got a website, whatever yeah. else. But yeah, back then it wouldn't have been so easy like you say you would have had to sort of rely if you have any contacts in the area or um, I don't know you could maybe release a coach or a, a member of staff from attending one of your games to go down and scout maybe I don't know how they would have worked it but um, yeah it's it, it was I mean I remember turning up at the ground and like I think we did we did get a little bit of information fed to us on them but not about the sort of ground and the town and we just turned up and I don't even think there was a stand it was just like a little kind of if memory serves me right it was a little not much more than a porta cabin for their changing rooms and it was yeah it was a tiny little ground I think it was surrounded in trees as well and it was a roasting hot day I think it was early September it was Mm -hmm. really warm Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was it was just a funny old day that day because, like I say, the Sun reporter was on the bus, and he was coming up like taking close up pictures and stuff. When when you're just travelling down the road, and um, I remember the bus as well. I mean, we get we get really good buses nowadays, but back then they weren't the best, and <laughs> just 
that day, the the heating on the bus <laughs> jammed, so it wouldn't go off, and it was blasting out hot air all the way from either Perth or Edinburgh, wherever we stayed, down to Kirkcudbright, I think it is near. I think it was near Dumfries, if I yeah, remember yep, right. Yep. So it was a good, probably two-hour journey, I would have thought, and just blasting out hot air. And like I say, it was a hot day anyway, and it just, yeah, it was just a funny old day from start to finish. And but it ended well, um, and yeah, we had a good journey back up the road. But yeah, it was a, it was a, a memorable day that one. Gary Weir scored the hat trick that day. We're, we're... What, what did Wick play like? Were they, were they um, unplayable? Were they more than a match for your, your opponents? I remember the game quite well, actually. We were we were quite far ahead of them. Um, not wanting to sound too too arrogant, but um, yeah, they were... Because like back then, there wasn't the, the Lowland Leagues, like you mentioned earlier, it was East of Scotland, and mm-hmm. I don't even think they were in that league. I think they were the league below that, if I remember right. Um, and yeah, they weren't they weren't really on the same level as as us. Um, that was back in the day. We were just starting to sort of make waves in the sort of higher end of the the Highland League back then. Yep. Um, we were just starting to sort of really get a good good side and a good squad together. So we were going down full of confidence, and um, yeah, we we dominated the game start to finish. And, I think it was only one nil at half time, but it was it was going on more. And then I think Gary Weir got a, an early goal in the second half, which kind of killed it. Then yeah, we just kind of seen the game out and got a, a late goal. Then I think Gary got a late goal to to complete the hat trick. But yeah, I would, I would imagine that would be a, a a memorable a memorable game for him as well, being the the first ever Scottish Cup hat trick. I think for Wick, I would imagine so. Um, yeah, I'm sure he's still got that match ball tucked away somewhere. Brilliant. The the fourth game of your your favourite five is also a, a Scottish Cup game. It was a game that was actually referenced last week on the on the podcast as well. Dave Edwards uh, talked about how he's uh, I think his laptop ran out of juice um, or his mobile phone cut off covering this game at Brecon. But it was the the first game that you're talking about. Uh, Wick four, Brecon four. Another Scottish Cup tie, another incredible Scottish Cup tie, and I think, like I said at the very start, I think Wick were, Wick were starting to create a bit of a name for themselves in the competition. They were, they were starting to cause the, you know, cause a few shocks, and and that almost ended up a massive shock for Brecon City, anyway. Yeah, yeah, I think this was, I think it was the next year, um, and it was the first time we ever got up to the third round. So that was, that was the third round, um, like proper back then. So. I think fourth round is when the big boys start coming in, so it was it was a big tie for us. Mm-hmm. You know, if we we won, we potentially could have got like a Rangers or a Celtic or Aberdeen or someone like that. So yep. yeah, it was a really big day for us. Um, and I remember the morning of the game, it was just torrential downpour, um, like serious. And like like I say, I live in Thurso. I travel through to Wick and. Travelling through, I just thought there was absolutely no chance the game was going to be on because our our pitch our pitch can't handle a lot of water. Um, so yeah, as I say, I was travelling through and I was like, there's no chance this game is going to be on. But by the time I got through, there I don't know, there must have been about fifty people on the park, 
with forks and rollers and all sorts. So they, yeah, they were they were putting a great effort to to get the game to go ahead. And um, luckily they did because it was an absolute belter of a game. Mm-hmm. Um, like it was it was four all, and I, th- I don't know how many people were there, but it was I think definitely the biggest crowd that Wick have had in in my time anyway. I think it was over a thousand, maybe over, maybe even over eleven hundred. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, yeah, it was it was a big a big day for the club, and it was just a shame because like my my overriding memory of the game is a little bit of regret because we were four two up um, and quite comfortable four two up with fifteen minutes to play, mm-hmm. and yeah, then. Just a couple of sucker punches. I think the last goal was like maybe eighty-six, eighty-seven minutes or something like that. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, just just a sucker punch um, at the end. It would have been great to get through and um, potentially get one of the big boys, but yeah, it just it wasn't to be that day. I'm afraid we went we went down to Brechin and gave them another good game as well. But that yeah, that was a bit of a nightmare as well because. In the Scottish Cup, the replay is always the next Saturday. Yep. So we went down on the Friday night, stayed over in Aberdeen, and the intention then was to just go through on the Saturday morning. Um, got a phone call on the Saturday morning saying the game was off. And I'm quite sure, I, I might be wrong in saying this, but I'm quite sure it was just the, the briefing committee called it off they didn't even call in an SFA official I, th- I think that that memory is in my head from somewhere I, I might be wrong but yeah so it was called off on the Saturday so we had to end up going down on a, a Tuesday or a Wednesday night all the way to Brechin and, and play them on a midweek night and uh, yeah we ran them close again I think it finished 4-2 but but yeah the the home game that's that's one of our, one of the regrets I've got in my career is not not closing that game out, um, like I say, being four-two up with with fifteen minutes to go, we should have we should have had enough to just close that game out and get through to the fourth round. But yeah, it wasn't to be, I'm afraid. Yeah, because I'm sure if you were four-two down with fifteen minutes to go, and you come back to draw four all, you're you're delighted. But like you say, it, you were on the other side of the fence and you were four-two up with fifteen minutes to play, and it was just a real shame because again, you know. A fourth round tie against one of the big boys is an absolute, you know, money spinner for the club, but not only for the club, for the whole area as well. And from from what I can gather from your, um, you know, from your discussions and your your memories about these last three games in particular, is the the Scottish Cup fever is is something that um, something's to be be savoured. Um, and again, it's just a, a, a must have been a tremendous, you know feel good factor around all three of these games you've mentioned yeah well like I say the Scottish Cup is to our level kind of like the European adventure and you want it to, to continue as long as you can um, and that game was kind of late late November I think and um, mm-hmm. you know if you just wanted to carry on then I, I think the fourth round might have been after Christmas and you know to get like you always hear the the top teams say, to get European football after Christmas is a good achievement, and to get a Scottish Cup after Christmas is the same same for us, if you like. So 
yeah, the, the Scottish Cup games are always something to look forward to. They're, they're always the the first fixture you look for in the fixture list when it comes out at the start of the season. When's the Scottish Cup? When then when the draw gets made, like I say, you're always looking to see who it is you're up against, where they're from, what league they play in, what their pitch is like, what their grounds like, all that sort of thing. So yeah, the Scottish Cup's always always something to look forward to. And hence why, yeah, three of my more memorable games are, are Scottish Cup ties, even though we didn't win two of them. Things have changed obviously in the last couple of years. Probably the the three one you mentioned, obviously the club had to, you know, the, the qualifying cup is the qualification standard for that. But because it's now opened up, which I think is probably the right thing to do it, and, and, and pretty much um, you'll always be in the, in the Scottish Cup first round at the very least. But, you know, the, uh, it's the same old thing, isn't it? If you get in a kind draw, I mean, that year in particular, the Brecon one, you, you had Clark, um in the early rounds of the the Scottish Cup. Then you're, you're away to, was it away to Girvan before Brecon? So, again, you, you just hope for the luck of the draw. Uh, the Brecon one uh, in particular, I want to talk about Rory McAllister because he's someone that. Um, it's a bit of a household name and um, c- certainly lower league Scottish football he came to the rescue for Brecon City that day was he someone that stood out playing against uh, a bit of a handful yeah um, kind of knew about him already because um, when he was with Cali mm-hmm. I mean we tend to play we tend to play Cali more often than not they're under 20s or that sort of age group um, most pre-seasons they, they normally send a team up and play as in a friendly so he'd been up already and kind of knew of him and yeah he I mean his his record speaks for itself what he's gone on to do in his career um, he's a top player in that sort of that level that he's been at um, and yeah he, he did stand out but they had a number of of top players I remember one um Charlie King, mm-hmm. uh, I think he might have been his, he might have been a strike partner or a right winger or something like that. But yeah, he was he was top drawer as well. He stood out. Um, but yeah, they they were a they were a top team, and I think they finished that season in sort of third place or fourth place maybe in the in the old second division, so League One standard now. So yeah, it was it was a huge step up for us. Um, in terms of in terms of standards and even fitness to a certain degree, I know they're part time, but um, they're playing at a standard where they have to be exceptionally fit. So yeah, it was it was a it was a big step up for us, but we we more than matched them. Certainly at home and I would say away as well. So yeah, we did ourselves proud during that tie, but yeah, it was just a shame that we never made it through. Absolutely, and I think you. You obviously ran them very close, and again showed that in certain cases the gaps maybe not too big between the the lower kind of echelons of 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 Scottish football and you know the Highland Lowland um, has been proven in the last couple of years. For example, with Cove doing extremely well this season uh, in League Two, your fifth game of your your five favourite games choices. Um, Bucky Thistle fans may want to look away. Uh, it's a December two thousand and twelve league game. Bucky Thistle nil, Wick Academy seven at Victoria Park as well. Talk to us about this one. Yeah, this one. I would say this is out of all my games that, as you alluded to earlier. I mean, it was it was really difficult narrowing um, so many games I've played down to just five. But I think this one sticks in my memory the most 
in terms of I mean it was just a, a bog standard league game so there was no it wasn't like the Scottish Cup there was no build up to it during the week there was no long well down to buggies long enough but there was no <laughs> overnight thing or anything like that but um, it was just a bog standard league match but in terms of my actual memory of the, the match the 90 minutes then this one I think by far stands out the most in my memory um, probably because the the scoreline is a bit sort of absurd if you like Bucky were they were a good side back then mm-hmm. um, I think they won the league was it I think it was two two years like previous to this match yep. I think they might even want it back to back if I remember right and they still had a lot of the squad I mean I think if, if I remember right back then they had Alexander Sutherland uh, Lewis McKinnon was, was there then Kevin Main was in goals Paul Napier Donnie Monroe I think they had you know they had a a kind of who's who of Highland League football back then so mm-hmm. to go down there and and beat them 7-0 I mean they didn't have a man sent off or anything like that there was I don't think there was any penalties um, it was just yeah it was just I was playing in it and I was kind of having to pinch myself I was like what's going on here I mean nobody comes down to buggy and beats them 7-0 so comfortably um, it could have been more on the day I, I would imagine once it sort of got to 5 and 6 they would have just chucked it but yeah it could have been more I mean if it was double figures, I don't think they could have complained that day. I mean, it's often you see, well, it's often you see scorelines in the Highland League. You're right, not against teams like Bucky. No, it's no disrespect to the other teams that I'm alluding to, but aside for Bucky to lose seven nil is is quite something. Um, Richard McCarty scores five goals that day. Um, it's quite interesting as well. I, I was doing a bit of research on on uh, that game. His granddad, Bill Mackay, actually holds the club record for six. So, you know, just small things like that would have been amazing if he'd, if he'd managed to beat his uh, granddad's record. But, again, Wick, that day, you know, much similar to what I was talking to and alluding to about the St Cuthbert game earlier. I mean, it just seemed like you were on fire that day and everything that you were doing, you were just doing right. Yeah, I mean, we could have been playing against anyone that day and we would have given them probably do and I would have thought um, like you say everything everything came off everything we were doing we were doing it well um, and yeah funny you should mention Richie getting five goals another thing that just sticks in my head from that day was he got the five goals and never got man of the match <laughs> it, was, it was something that I, I don't know I don't know what happened I don't know who awards man of the matches in Buggy but yeah, he got five goals. Um, and we used to have a, a big striker, a big Polish striker, Lucas. Lucas, Lucas yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, and he was playing, he was the lone striker that day. So we, we played 4-3-3 back, back then and he was a, he was the number nine and <laughs> he got one goal. Mm-hmm. And even then it was, it was a tapping. It was a five-yard tapping, if that. And... He got, I'm sure he got subbed off after about an hour as well, and he got mad at the match. Oh, <laughs> got announced over the tannoy, and none of the boys could understand it. I mean, a guy gets five goals, and that day as well, um, Davy Allen was just—he was unplayable. I think, 
out of the seven goals, probably four of them came from like one of us feeding it into Lucas. And Lucas, I don't know if you know Lucas, but he's he's a he's I've a seen big, him, yeah, big lad. Aye. He's probably six foot four, and back then he would have been about 16, 17 stone or something. So we just feed it up to him. He would hold it in, lay it back to a midfielder who would slip Davy Allen in. Davy would just burn everyone off with his pace, cut the ball back, and Richie would tap it in. That's pretty much how I would say four or five of those seven goals came about. <laughs> um, so yeah, Lucas didn't really do much, and he got man of the match after getting hauled off after an hour. And poor Richie got five goals and nothing to show for it. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, I don't know, but another <laughs> thing just sticking the mind from that day. I can imagine. Uh, I can imagine. Well, again, I've 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 done the tannoy at various different clubs and read out, you know, um, who the man in the match is, and I'm never really sure if if players can hear it at the time because maybe they're you know they're involved in the game. But I mean, normally supporters kind of go, what you know, when you you read it, a controversial choice. But I mean, did you you obviously heard the tannoy there? I mean, Lucas must have been on the bench himself thinking. Okay, fair enough. You know, I'll take it. But I'm sure that the guys on the park when they had that tannoy must have been uh, must have been astounded. Yeah, like I say, everyone else was like, "What the hell's just gone on there?" But Lucas being Lucas, like knowing him, he would have been, "Oh yeah, yeah, I pr- probably deserve that." Yeah, he's uh, he's very he's very self confident as Lucas, so he would have probably quite happily accepted it and not been sort of guilty at all, if you like. So yeah. That's that's Lucas, and it was uh, like I say, it was just something else to to remind me of that day because yeah, Richie just got ripped for it after it. Score <laughs> five goals, can't get him out of the match. Brilliant. Um, the manager at that time, uh, Barry Wilson, who we've had on the podcast, he was on episode one. Talk to us about working with Barry because um, I well I know, I know Barry very well and. He obviously had a fantastic playing career, playing at the very top level. Um, you've obviously played under many great managers in your spell. What was it like playing under Barry that season, especially because you th- you finished third that year as well? Yeah, um, well, yeah. Like I say, with the the breaking game being one of the regrets, that's that's another regret finishing so close to it. I think we finished four points off the league that yeah, season. Yeah, you did. Yeah, yep. And, um, so yeah, that's and we. In the, in the sort of run-in we had a couple of poorer results I remember going down to Clack on a Wednesday night and drawing one all um, we went down to Fort Martin we were 3-0 up after about 15-20 minutes and then drew 3 all. so that just those two memories uh, matches stick in my mind as you know if we won those two we could have ended up winning the league And but yeah Barry was he was really good. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed working under Barry. Um, he took over not long before that buggy game, actually, because um, Kirky was there. He he was there for the first part of that season. Mm-hmm. He he joined the season, but Kirky was the season before, and then he took over. He took that season and left after August, I think it was. Um, maybe September sometime anyway um, and then Barry came in yeah, and I, yeah Barry was really good I, I thoroughly enjoyed it Barry his manager style was kind of like his playing style he was all about attacking um, he didn't worry too much about the defence I mean I, I, 
I don't know the stats of how many goals we scored under him or whatever, but I would imagine we we uh, we scored a lot more than under other managers. I would think because, um, like I say, his his main focus was on attacking, um, getting the ball up to the strikers early and just flooding bodies forward. And me, I I played fullback for. I mean, I played played a, a number of positions for for various managers, but. Under Barry, I was playing left back, and for me, it was just a dream because I'm by no means a, a defensive fullback when I play there. I'm I'm more of going the other way. So yeah, when when Barry came in and he was he was kind of laying his stamp on the on the team and how he wanted us to play, it was it was music to my ears because he didn't really want me staying back and in my full-back position back then. So, yeah, it was just as soon as we have the ball, get yourself forward. So, it was ideal. I was I thoroughly enjoyed my time under Barry, yeah. Well, as I said, Gary, um, it must have been a difficult decision to, to pick just five games from over 600 appearances for Wick Academy, but you managed to just narrow it down to five and five you know, real crackers as well. Some some great results for the club. Some obviously, you know, there's a few um, disappointing results in there as well. But you know, some great some great memories. I'm sure. Um, when you look back over your, I know you're still involved in the club, but when you look out over those those twenty years, what what's the what's the best way to to describe and sum up twenty years with Wick Academy? Um, yeah, good question. Um, probably it's been a right mix because when I first started um, like Wick were kind of maybe a bottom five team back then um, and it's been a kind of journey since then we my first few seasons we kind of languished bottom five bottom four somewhere along that area but as I alluded to earlier um about 2007-2008 we started to get a proper team a proper squad together and we we made good strides um, and probably culminated in that season we just finished speaking about the, the Barry Wilson season coming mm-hmm. so close to winning the league um, and if that was our peak we probably and certainly in the league slowly declined from that from that year um, I mean we've won a cup since then mm-hmm. but like I say in terms of in terms of league positions and points tallies and all the goals scored and all that I think that would have been our peak um, that 2012-13 season so yeah now sort of looking at the other side of it on the management side then that if I do end up being the manager full time that is something I'll I'll aspire to to get back to that kind of standard. I mean, the last few seasons, it's not really been good enough. I mean, we've I think we've finished maybe eighth, seventh, tenth, that sort of area. And it's just once you've once you've had a taste of like cup success. I mean, we went through a phase there of it felt like we were in a cup final nearly every single season, um, like from from about two thousand eight to about 2000, I don't know, when we won the Cup, 14, 15, something like that. I think we were in four different Cup finals, so um, 
it just feels that we've we've dropped off a bit lately. So it's a big task if I do end up, like I say, being the manager. It's a, it's quite a big task I have, but um, it's something that I'm I'm looking forward to if I do get it. Trying to get the club and the team back up the league and back to the sort of standard that we were at maybe four or five years ago. Um, try and get to some cup finals again. So yeah, to to sum up my twenty years of work is is difficult because it's such a long time. But um, yeah, uh, an up and down journey, I would say. But one that I've obviously enjoyed, or I, I wouldn't have done it for so long. So. Um, it is, it's different being a Wick player to to other clubs in the Highland League. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of travelling, the amount of time we spend on a bus is incredible. I mean, I, I don't think anybody would appreciate how, how much time, dedication, commitment it does take until you've actually done it. Um, like, I mean, playing for Wick because... Like I say, the, the amount of time we've sat on a bus over, well, I've sat on a bus over the 20 years is just quite incredible, I would think, when you, if you, you look back on it. I mean, the Cove trips, they were just, they were mental. We would set off from Wick, well, I would set off from Thurzell about quarter past seven in the morning, not come back to half eleven at night. Aye. And you're thinking, for a 90 minute, it just it's it does sound a bit strange. I mean, like I say, the, the boys need to be commended for the the commitment and the, the dedication they give. So, yeah, that's that's how I would describe my WIC career. It's just a bit of an up and down journey. Started off down the bottom, went up to the top ish, um, top four, top five area, and now slowly coming back down. But like I say, hopefully we can halt that slide and turn the ship around and go around the, uh, go up the, the leagues again hopefully well we wish you well Gary um, it sounds like you've um, you're obviously planning and, and looking ahead to the future um, and hopefully we do get back to some sense of normality and we do get football back in our lives especially Highland League football as well and we wish you well in those uh, coming months ahead it's been a pleasure uh, talking to you and uh, and thank you again for for taking the time to to pick out five of your your favorite f- favorite games, I'm sure there'll be um, a few others that will remember those games fondly as well. But uh, it's a pleasure. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Gary. Thanks for your time. No pleasure. Yeah. Thanks very much. Thanks and, for having me on. And stay safe out there. <laughs>